Welcome to Love Lift Life podcast. I'm your host, Yuko Kudo, an artist and storyteller. Here on this podcast, you can connect with the like-hearted people one story at a time. The conversations focused on art, people, and social good. Special thanks to Prime Produce Apprentice Cooperative, Guild for Good, here in the heart of New York City. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Because we need each other more than ever, and we don't have to do it alone. So now, let's connect. In this episode, I invited Latanya Dubois. She's a trauma-informed practitioner and owner and elite business therapist at Eagle Line Management. Here's Latanya. Thank you, thank you, thank you everyone for joining me today. I am very excited and also humbled and honored to have my sister, Latanya Dubois. And she is an on- owner and a lead business therapist at Eagle Line Management. And let me just say, she's a super healer. She's a super healer and that's what it is. And she's a super healer, a mom, friend, and a sister. And she's just an incredible human. So Latanya, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Yuko. I'm so excited about being on your show. <laughs> I am super excited that you're on here too. So we're going to start with a fun one. What is a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Ooh, most people don't know I used to be a DJ, assistant DJ. <laughs> you were a DJ? Yes. And it was part, it's part of my story, actually. A friend of mine who's about nine years my elder used to throw parties and I used to love to dance and come to her parties and eventually I started learning how to you know do the turntables and stuff and she would let me DJ every now and then to give them breaks while we were at the parties so yep I became a DJ through her (laughs) well you know what's going to happen next time we're here (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) did you have a DJ name uh, well, I used to go by Caprice back in the day, so I used to say that all the time. Um, and it was definitely a way to keep me up the street because I would have to be there earlier and practice with them sometime and just spend a lot of time with them. That is awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to party with you. <laughs> That's got to be so fun. <laughs> right. So, okay, let's jump in. I have, I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of stories that I want to hear from you. And like I said, you are a super healer and I love you describe yourself as a business therapist. I think that it's a very, very gentle way of connecting with a business owner, especially the startup or solo entrepreneurs, I feel like. And so can you share a little bit about what Eagle Eye Management and explain what exactly business therapist is? So Eagle Eye Management is a consulting firm that offers coaching, training, as well as uh, one-on-one sessions with people. Uh, So our focus is to be trauma-informed and to allow agency owners to learn who they are and how to operate in excellence. Um, So as a business therapist, what we get to do is to be a part of the business. So consultants come in with different mechanisms that they may have created or utilized, and they teach people how to use that, and then they leave them to do it and they come back and see how it works, right, if they're doing well with it. A coach may walk with you along the path and, you know, egg you on and help you understand your value and push you through it, where um, as a therapist, a business therapist gets in the business with you and becomes another team member. So we get to see you operating in your business. 
and help you find those blind spots, but we also get to do some of the work with you to build the capacity that you need in your business. So it's not just telling you what to do or just showing you one time what to do, but to do it alongside with you so that we can celebrate together and support your growth and sustainability. I really love that approach and really be in it together and help people see the blind spot. I want to ask a question, like a trauma-informed practitioner. What does that exactly mean? Because I never heard that until you said it to me. So trauma-informed practitioners are people who have gone through training to understand the impact of trauma in the person's life. So we all have experienced some level of trauma. Maybe what they call the little T trauma, bullying, um, divorce in the family, and the big T trauma, uh, 9-11, the Holocaust, uh, being in war. And some people have trauma responses, things that they do, they're triggered by, or things they hear, see, smell, can take them back to those places of trauma. And we learn how to navigate that relationship with gentle awareness. Mm -hmm. So there's things that people do specifically around trauma um, responses that helps them cope with staying calm or, you know, feeling safe. And as a practitioner, you get to see that and know what's happening and being able to approach them a little different. So for example, if I know that when I'm talking to somebody, they kind of speak with a defensive tone. Like I'm saying something to somebody and they're like, well, why are you asking me all those questions? What are you doing? Then I know something must have happened if they felt unsafe before and they're protecting now. And I get right. to approach it a little gently and say, Okay, instead of me saying, well, what you acting all defensive for? Because that's not trauma-informed. It's like, okay, no problems. You tell me what you feel most comfortable with answering. Or what would you like to tell me about this situation? That will help me to break the, the idea that I'm coming to harm you like you were harmed before. And I'm allowing you to make space to trust me so that I can then help you with whatever we're you know, called to do together. So when you're trauma-informed, you get to see things a little bit differently because you understand what that person may have gone through and how to support them in navigating coming back to a safe place. One of the things that popped up in my head right now is like customer service, right? When people can like come to you in a very aggressive tone or very dramatic tone or whatever and not be reactive and being able to support the customer or clients and understanding your you are doing your own work first and then supporting those customers. That is super powerful. Yes. And when you go through the training, you get to see your own triggers. You get to recognize where you are feeling pushed at because then you can settle in it. There's, there's different mindsets that you get to move through to understand when you're being reminded of a, part, a time when you were disrespected or disregarded or hurt or scared, you know, and you get to see that maybe this is happening right now and I need to do something to protect myself versus it's not happening right now. It's just kind of in my head and I get to breathe through it and come back to this present moment. Wow. So for me, I even had a trigger, feeling the trigger being pulled just by hearing the word business. Because for me, it felt like they're money driven or they're very transactional and I'm hearing all these things. and. I had to really go deep inside and what does business mean to me? And then really understand and dissect. And something that I like to do is go to the root words, like where the word business come from and understanding it comes literally stems from busyness, right? And that made so much sense. Just looking at 
go deeper into the origin of the words. So doing this on a personal level before they apply to their own business to serve people, that is super, super exciting. I love that. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Did you go into the trauma-informed practitioner knowing that you wanted to apply into your business or was it something more personal? What happened was, um, it was the fields I was in, that's about there. Like what, what I got into initially was HIV case management. And a lot of the training that we got there was around cultural sensitivity and understanding the disease and the progression of the disease and how to help people cope with just psychosocial things like housing and money and getting jobs and being, get their medication and staying in care, you know? Um, so that was the first level of training. I didn't know what trauma was. I didn't know about mental health to that degree, but I got to know people and I got to treat people like people. That was one of the things that people just weren't experiencing once they found out they were positive. They were, you know, thrown away as they would say, or, you know, this was um, discriminated against. So, you know, to have somebody actually want to touch you, actually want to talk to you was so humbling to watch them embrace that. Um, so that was where my compassion came in. But once I started my business, which was several years after that, it was as a result of trying to be home for my son who has cerebral palsy. And through his journey and my journey as his parent, I got to learn about how people with disabilities are treated and how they are seen as unable, you know, mm. as being as able with something that they probably um, are not able to do like other people. So my son can walk, but he doesn't walk like other people. My son can sit in a certain chair or something and look like the average person to, to the naked eye, but to someone who's trained like me, because I grew up with my son's condition, um, I can see that he has, a, you know, a different posture, but I don't treat him differently, you know? And it was all about how you treat people and how people mm. treat you. So when I started my business, um, I started working with agencies that were at risk of losing their funding. And I was really good at evaluation. And the idea was to help them not lose their money by improving their programs if I understood what they weren't doing well. And I would work with different agencies over the years. And I think maybe about five, six years, maybe seven years ago, a little longer, about nine years ago, I um, started working with this one particular agency that was working with women who were trying to help people go get tested for HIV and um, trying to make it normal for you to test even if you are married because sometimes men and women cheat on each other and they can bring the virus back to each other, right? So I started learning about mental health there and I had went through a leadership capacity training that allowed me to understand all the facets of building business, right? You know, policy and procedure, and, you know, strategic planning and all this stuff. So I took all of that to that training. And what I noticed about everybody that I was working with is that the CEO was not necessarily operating at their best. Either they were, you know, super defensive or didn't want to be bothered with learning all the aspects of their business where things were working or not working. They were throwing money at everything. And I was like, you're not going to sustain like this. It's just not going to work. So I would come in with a team of people with me sometimes or just me sometimes, and I would rebuild what they were doing by training their staff and helping with understanding the culture and doing all these things. And I found that that was better for them. Because when I started to see that they weren't, you know, vested in the people they were called to serve, 
I was like, I, I don't want to work here. I, I can't be a part of this. And they're like, wait a minute, what, you know, what's happening? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's not money for me. You know, you guys are the ones that are called to serve these large populations of people, but you're not doing them no service um, by not being trained properly, by not creating programs that have sustainability, by not checking to see if the people that you hired to do a job is not doing a job. It's like, either you're going to do it well or you're not. And they're like, oh, shoot, we never heard anybody say that. They would rather me spend a lot of money and just walk away. So as I started learning more about mental health and getting into the wellness of humans, right? Because people think mental health means you have something wrong. Mental health is when you're well. Mm-hmm. It's mental illness when you have something going on that has taken you off of your human tract, right? Something mm-hmm. chemically is going on. So once I got that, difference between the two that's what I started pouring into my clients going forward and I realized how many people are operating you know um playing small or self-sabotaging because of things they've experienced in their past which thus goes into their business and it hurts people in their business or in the programs that they're running because it wasn't always CEOs sometimes it was just like directors and things um, that I would work with and I realized so many folks are just hurting more people and hurting more people and not creating space for people to heal because they don't know that this was happening. They don't know that they're right. hurt. You know, I say hurt people hurt people, but they don't know that they're hurt or they don't take the time to recognize how they can make it a safe environment for each other. And that's when I started infusing, um, going to learn about some things around mental health. But um, then the other side of it was, I became a foster parent and I started going to courses around trauma-informed practices for that. And I put those two together because I was like, wait a minute, this is the same thing that we need to apply over here because business owners have their own stuff, you know, that they got to work through. So that's how it became one. Wow. When you're sharing that, it immediately reminded me of some of the experiences I was at at a restaurant because the managers or people in management places they think a lot of the employees are expandables right and they turn around they're so quick and there is always a combative energy within that and it was very frustrating for me and I really couldn't understand if we treat each other nicer and then we'll treat the customer nicer and our team will become nicer to each other. We're not going to be yelling at each other between the kitchen and the runner and the, because often as a customer, the, you only see the server or the waitress or waiter, but the reality of that is that they are middle person, right? They're middle person. They get trying to manage everything and they don't understand. So when the frustration gets built, they don't want to work there, but customers want them to do it. So there's a bad cycle that starts to really become even worse. So that kind of reminded me, yeah, and no matter what business people are in, that goes the long way to support each other. Absolutely. You're hitting it on the head with that. Yeah. And I, I want to touch on one of the things that I really learned from you that took away a few months ago when we were working together. And 
This is what you said. You don't have to come up with the name or what to call yourself. You listen carefully to people and they are telling you what you're doing. And that really resonated with me because I wanted to come up with some names or a label that I really wanted to describe who I am, right? And you really taught me to listen. I think even right now, what I was hearing from you and whether that is yourself or your client or your team or God, because we both pray and we're believers. And I know that listening is a huge part of your practice. It's one of the main thing in your life. And that's the something that we need to really practice. So I'm curious, how does the listening practice become a part of your life work? First, let me say I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that. I think that I have learned how to master body language mm -hmm. um, because of my Reiki work and other energy work that I've done, I can connect on a, a, a higher level with people. But the ego self, the human side of me, has a hard time with the physical hearing. So, you know, 93%, about 93, anywhere from 89 to 93% of what we say does not come out of our mouths. So one of the interesting things about being trauma-informed, but also just being in any kind of healing modality, is the body is constantly showing us what we feel. No matter how much we say, because, you know, you'll say hi to somebody, how are you doing today? And they're like, I'm fine. But they could be having the worst day of their life, but they just don't know that they can talk to you about it. So they're like, I'm good. Today is pretty good. I can't complain. Mm -hmm. Just blessed, you know, but they're having the worst day of their life. There's certain things that people give off that right. you can listen to in that way. So I listen with my body, so to speak, and with my intuitiveness. I know when I look at certain people or if I'm making, if I'm slowing down enough to just be present with them, I can hear what they really want to tell me. They'll say one thing out their mouth, but I can hear the other words, right? But when it comes to, actually, it's funny, I went to this uh, program, I want to say, called The Listening Project. Hmm. You would really appreciate this. Um, but she was here in North Carolina, and she um, does this project where she trains you about listening and different techniques about what listening is about and why we do it and why humans need it so much. Um, and and the, the myths about li listening. She did this, like, one, two, three-hour training. She sends us out to different community areas and we wear this shirt that says, I'm here to listen to you, mm. right? And you just say hi to people and you say, um, hi, is there anything you want to talk about? Is just want somebody to talk to? We're here. And everybody was so suspicious. Well, how much does it cost? So what do you want to talk about? What topic do you want? And it was so interesting to see how much we're so used to people wanting something from us to even just share what's happening with us. But for those that you know, let their guards down and sat down and said something to us. Some of us stood up, some of us sat down. How long we talked about absolutely nothing but everything. Wow. Like from what you were going to get for dinner. I was trying to figure out what to eat today. I had no idea. And, I, and how it just it unfolds mm -hmm. into things. And, you know, especially when it's someone who's living alone, because we, we were in specific places. So one time we were in front of a library and these were older people or young people. It didn't matter. They came out with their books or, or just went to drop off books. 
And you'll be surprised the level of conversations we were having about everything from losing partners to um, cooking practices or who they like to go home to, can't wait to see their grandkids or love being home with their family, just came to get some books they read together or, you know, the loneliness that folks feel, Mm. you know, and the misunderstanding because people don't listen no more. Mm -mm. It really just blew my mind. I was so like impressed with what this small project can do for the world because we don't know how to listen. We've already made these preconceived notions about the person walking towards us or somebody sitting across from us at a restaurant. But imagine if we just had a, a conversation without trying to convince nobody of nothing or sell anything to them or talk them down or over encourage them, just listen to them. How much wisdom comes from them? How much peace will come between you two? It was so amazing. So for me, listening has been a journey because I wasn't listened to. So I talk a lot. I had to learn how to stop because I have time now. Nobody's shutting me down. And just say what I really want to say. Take a moment to think about what do I really want to say? And I get to say it without feeling that, you know, <laughs> I mean, I never said anything I want to say because nobody ever asked me what I want to talk about. Like, <laughs> that used to be my feeling. And now I can literally go, well, you know, people have given me enough time to speak now. I don't feel like I have to talk so much. And I just be. And that heals too. I'm so curious and I'm so glad you shared that. So for me, I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. Like when I hear people say, like, hey, how are you? And what do you really go? What's really going on? I pause because I'm so not used to talking about my thing. What do I say? What now? So, like, just knowing that by somebody holding space to just listen, and I can just say anything that comes up in my mind. That's weird, but also amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just sitting. Because sometimes it was just quiet, but it was comforting. It was weirdly comforting because I'm not used to silence being comforting, especially with a stranger, right? Right. But imagine if I was sitting and it felt good to just say a few words to each other that connected you, and then you just stay in each other's space because it feels good there. Like, we don't get to do that because we expect something. But this taught me it it doesn't have to look or feel any kind of way. It could just be... Just being in the presence of someone can be comforting too. Mm. I love that. And it really is a practice. Like you can't just get it in a one time and think like, no. Mm-mm. I love that. Time. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's a practice. It's only going to be ongoing. Right. And I love that you mentioned about Reiki as well because not only your business or I honestly think who you are is just holisticness is the word that I really associate you with. Even in the belief, you are minister and as well as the Reiki master and really giving yourself a permission to explore all kinds of modality of belief, the healing and the work and personal and professional work and everything you are an embodiment of whole whole you and that's so beautiful to witness and in order for someone to come to that place and 
I would imagine like you've been through some stuff so that that's the only way you can get to that place. So what are the some of the big challenges that really help you grow to embark on this holistic wholeness journey? I know it's a, a big question. So. Yeah. Um I think uh wanted to be healed myself. It was a it was a seeking. It was a seeking. I wanted peace. I had gone through so many trials and tribulations from a very young age, I think as early as six, and I was tired. I was consistently tired of being neglected or overlooked or not seen that it was like, it gotta be something here. Why am I here? It has to be some kind of way. So there was no one path for me. And I think that was, that's the challenge that I had because a lot of people were trying to teach me that there was one path. Mm. And, I, and I couldn't align with that um, because I know the God in me kept saying there's multiple ways that I can show you peace in your life. Um, and then the surrendering, the surrendering to the idea that that's true. Right. Because belief is the hardest thing to change. Once it's embedded in you, it's like part of your DNA in a sense. So you have to tear away from so many things to just see who you really are. Because a majority of our life is spent with people trying to teach us who we are. That when it's time to really figure it out, when you're out on your own, you, you have to either rely on what you was given or create something new. Right? And relying on me, relying on what I was given was not working. So I had to, I had to go and find other things. And um, what I usually did was, um, and what I continue to do, because it's an ongoing, I think I'm going to do this till I die, right? is um, be willing to see what it's about. Because if it's not for me, it's just not for me. Now I know and I won't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Versus I never know and I just never tried. Um, or if the, I, I learned how to trust myself, which was something I had to learn how to do years ago, but not as far back as I wish sometimes, right? But trusting myself that um, when I feel or hear something that I should be a part of, do it. But then when I trust to hear something that I shouldn't be a part of, do it, right? So that I can have that peace. Um, and meeting and connecting with people because I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, created to be here and have a solo experience. I was created to be here and have a communal experience mm. and connect with other people. So the more I'm open to all the modalities, the more I can connect. And the more I connect, the more impact I'm going to have on the world and the more the world is going to have an impact on me. So I offer myself that freedom to do that. I offer myself the comfort with, you know, not everybody's going to understand why I do what I do. And that's OK, because that's the part that's that's single. That's the solo part. That is my journey. But um, I get to share it with as many people as I can while I'm here. Right. While I'm here, I get to get as much and soak up as much of this life experience on this planet at this time as possible. And it afforded me opportunities to meet great people like you that shifts me. You know, when I you can never really arrive to me. You can never really arrive because something is always going to come to remind you there's more. <laughs> like, unless you touch every inch of this earth, there's more. Right. There's always more. 
So that's what I get to do each day to keep growing and expanding my view of my life this time around. And I bet your children are showing me there is more like every single minute. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, the youth, youth does that for you because they don't know boundaries that much yet. They, they're still learning this world. So they come in the closest to ascension and godliness as possible. They're so pure. They're so natural. It's us that pound into them. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do it. It's us. So, you know, them having that freedom, it, sh- it just shows me ways that I can be more free and I can be more relaxed. And I, you know, of course there's ways that you got to discipline and, and hold them to safety regardless of how they treat each other or something. But, you know, they're just showing us that don't take it all seriously. Have fun. Mm. You know, live life. Um, ask questions. Be curious touch things, do things that you probably never thought you would do. They, that's them. And they remind me that way. Now, my first go around, I didn't have a chance to do that with my older children. I was too busy being the mother, mm. you know, the controller. The But with this group, I get to see that none of that matters because now my children are older. I'm like, I could have, man, because <laughs> all of those lessons because they still doing this. So they, you know, they're still living their life. They're still being an individual. So now we talk from that lens. We say, like, what would you do if you could do anything? I love that. I haven't had that much opportunity to spend, at least, like, I have have not been able to spend time with your kids in a physical space, but the virtually, right? Like, seeing your children, how loving they are and how genuine they are it always gets me excited wow these kids like they are going to be such a beautiful humans it's so exciting it's enlightening too because there's so many children that don't have that opportunity you know and I know that they're being equipped to talk to those children like I get to talk to people now that are adults that went through what I went through and I'm like well you know Somebody planted some kind of seed in me to be compassionate that I can now take it forward and be able to be compassionate with people. So, you know, I get to do that with my kids and hopefully they'll hold on to that because, you know, that this world can be really harsh, you know, and, and we don't always have this, the tough skin to tolerate some of the things that the world gives us. So. Um, I don't shelter them so that they can see the harshness of the world sometimes. But when they see it, I let them be curious. I let them be hurt. I let them be uh, questioning. I, I let them do all of those things because that develops their humanness, you know, and it develops their spiritual connection because I don't know why the world is like this. But what I know is there's something, there's a piece that can come so there's good in this world too. So don't focus on what's not working. Focus on what works and how you can be a part of what works. And that's, you know, like I got two of my kids on punishment right now for, you know, they always bicker. But that's that's normal, right? The right. same rivalry and stuff. That's normal stuff. But like I told them, you're going to learn how to get along. And, you know, since y'all are so into your tablets, now you have to do projects all week long with each other. So you can learn how to problem solve. You can learn how to talk to each other. You can build something beautiful together. And then at the end of the week, we're going to put all the things that they've created all around the house to remind them that together you can do more. You can do beautiful things together. 
so much more better than the arguing and the yelling at each other. So they don't know that that's going to be the end result, but that's what's going to happen. And they're slowly making all these things and we're just like, you know, and not giving them everything. We're like, just come up with a project. I don't care what it is, but y'all got to do it together. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> but at the end, they'll get it. You know, later on, it'll make sense to them and they'll be proud of the little picture. They have to write a book today, a short story. So they have to write the book and then color the pictures. And then I have this long like craft paper. So they have to write the story and make the characters and color it all out. They probably don't, it's not gonna look perfect, but they're gonna remember the story of the two sisters that had to learn to get along. And what did that outcome come? And then they have to present it. So all these things is for their edification. You know, at some point it's gonna come back as a lesson for them somewhere. But it took a long time to get to that place of, gosh, I just want y'all to get along, please. Stop yelling. <laughs> Stop screaming. <laughs> Do you see us scream like that? Where do you get this from? But you know, the world teaches them this. Right. Cartoons and different things. They learn how to be mean. So you got to teach them how to be nice, too. Oh, no. I think that's my lawn, people. I'm going to put myself on mute. That's so beautiful. You have to learn. And when you're sharing like earlier, first half of this year, I don't know if you were there when this share came up, hurt people hurt, but healed people healed. So that's what was coming up for me. And because you understand the pain, because you understand the struggle, because you understand so-and-so, the journey, that's why you get to be more compassionate. That's why you get to be more generous with your energy and time. And you given the space for your children to actually have that experience and grow from it. I think that's so important and they're so blessed that they are your children. I just have to say that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And you get to trust yourself that you can fix things. You don't have to always go to some other source. You can right. check in and see what you can do to make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's what they get it too. They're like, well, she, okay, did you talk to her about it? No, well, then I think you need to talk to her first and see what happens. You know, and then they figure it out. They don't have to come tell everything. So, you know, they can come talk to us, but we like, problem solve for yourself. Trust your someone is. And they get to do that. Listen, when I am, um, when I become a mom, I don't know when that is going to be or if I would be, but you're going to be hearing from me a lot. <laughs> So I do have one more question before the last one, but how can people learn more about you and your wonderful practice and how can people get in touch with you? Can you share that? Sure. So the best way to get in touch with me is by making a one-on-one session with me at calendly.com slash Latanya Dubois. And that allows me to make a direct connection. I'm big on connections. Um, but you can also find me on Facebook under Latanya Dubois as a page on there that I talk about different things in life um, that I'm going through or just topics I may hear about or videos that I've seen. Um, I'm also, for my business, EUI Management has a page. If you are looking for insight around business ideas or uh, business support, you can reach me there or you can email us at uh, EUI Management 458 at gmail.com thank you and all of that would be in the description and there it's a 30-day challenge that she does do it do it i'm just saying <laughs> i forgot about that yes yes <laughs> it's so great i love it thank you 
<laughs> of course. And so are you ready for the last question? Sure. <laughs> Amazing. What is a message or a call to action that you would like to share with the world right at this moment? Uh, we are all created to do something unique here. And I always see it as like, imagine somebody throwing a thousand or 5,000 piece or 5 million piece puzzle down on a big table and all the pieces scatter all around. And um, we are all charged with putting that puzzle back together. So if you know that there is something in you that wants to dig deeper to find what piece of the puzzle are you, I would say do the journey to self-challenge for sure, or do a connection call to see what direction you should go in first because we are needed. There's someone in this world, whether it's one-on-one or one in a group or one in an audience of people that needs to hear something from you. We all have something to offer the world. And until everybody is in alignment with that, we'll continue to seek each other. They're going to look for you and hopefully they'll find you in some other way, but be proactive and show up and shine your light bright. Shine your bright, shine your light bright. Right. Shine, <laughs> sh- oh my God, always makes me know. Shine your light bright. Yeah, so they can find you. <laughs> I love that. I am always so grateful that I get to spend time with you. You are such a wonderful soul and uh, Seriously, thank you for being you. And I'm really, really grateful for our time together. Not only for this time, but really to get to know you as a person. Like you said, connection is huge. And being in your presence is always honor. So thank you so much, Natanya. Thank you. Thank you. Please go visit www.eaglelinemanagementllc.com to learn more about Latanya's work and you really, really, really want to connect with her. So book a call today. Shine your light bright so that people can find you. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Love Live Life Podcast. Don't forget to visit my website, Yugo. It's lovelivelife.com and I'd love to connect you there. You can sign up to my weekly newsletter or join my Patreon community and talk more about art, people, and social good. Till next story, let's stay connected.